Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. Thanks, Fitz. I can't tell you how excited I am for another football season. 2016 is here. What's next for the New York Jets after a 10-win campaign in year one of Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan under their direction? I'm joined in the studio today by a special guest who has made his return. He got a little bit of experience doing this way back in the day on NewYorkJets.com's Barking with Bart. The mad backer, Bart Scott, has returned to the studio and is going to be part of this podcast throughout the 2016 season. How do you feel about that? I feel good, man. It's good to be back home. It's good to see so many familiar faces within the building, see some of the new faces and watch the Jets, you know, try and put together another solid campaign and get to the playoffs and make that run. It all starts this week against a great opponent, and it's going to be exciting to watch. You know, when you look at the beginning of their um, schedule, um, some would say it's tough. I think that's an understatement. But what happens is when you play a tough schedule, if you can find your way on the other side, it makes you a better football team because of the level of competition in which you've gone against. It, it makes you sharp and still sharp and still. And um, if they can make it out of this first six, seven games with a pretty good record, and to some people consider some upsets, I think that you know it bowls well for late in the season and also it, for a playoff run. Well, Bar, you just put your analyst hat on already, and we watch you. CBS each Sunday when we have an opportunity. But you just put the analyst hat on by saying, looks like a tough schedule. The opening six games, the Jets host the Cincinnati Bengals. Then in week two, it's a short week. And playing your former head coach, Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills on Thursday night. Then the Jets will stay on the road. Ten days, Kansas City Chiefs in week three. And they come home, to play. come home and play Seattle in week four. Then it's a couple road games against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Arizona Cardinals. But I'm going to ask you to put your player's helmet back on. Do okay, you, okay, let me th- put it on. I, I remember what it feels like. Let me, do you, ah, okay, I got it on. Do you really look at it as schedule and say, ooh, that's tough? You don't, you don't think that way. Well, what, what, what you do is you, you, you get excited. You say, okay, well, this is a tough game. Um, you look at it and you, you, you embrace the challenge. Of course you believe you can win every game. And you, you, you show up every week and you say, hey, listen, we're a 10-6 football team. You give yourself an opportunity to shock the world. If you win these games, you're looking, okay, when we get to week seven, you know, we're going to put the NFL on notice. We're going to show them that, we're not to be, that they're sleeping on us. That's what you say if you're a player. We're going to show them that they're sleeping on us. And if you have success, success against those type of teams, you're talking about being able to set yourself up for all the postseason awards. You set yourself up um, against great competition, and you get to see and you get to measure yourself against the best in the division or best in the NFL. All right, so Cincinnati, the matchup. We've been talking about it here, and Bart is also going to be part of – our show on CBS Sunday mornings as well, doing some film reviews that airs at 11.30 on CBS in the tri-state area. So you're going to be all over the place. But we were talking about it before that the Bengals offensively have been really dynamic in past years. And it all starts with A.J. Green, but you've been harping about it, harping on it all week that A.J. Dalton is dealing with new receivers yep. all over the place, isn't he? So, uh, 
not to be the stickler, you know what I mean? But I just have to correct you a little bit. You called him A.J. Dalton, oh, not I'm just Andy Dalton. I'm just combining them all. I was yeah. just watching that uh, playoff game. So, well, I, you well, know, I put them together. Exactly. That's what happens. When you don't win playoff games, you know, you, you, know, you don't get the respect of getting your whole name <laughs> All right, off. take it easy there. That's Bart <laughs> Scott talking. That's not Eric Allen. Well, this is me, the EA Podcast. Well, let me tell you, you told me to take my take my analyst hat on, <laughs> put my player hat on, you know what I mean? You talk about Andy Dalton. He really haven't, haven't performed well in the big-time games. He's been dynamic, and the Cincinnati Bengals have been dynamic during the regular season. You talk about divisional titles, you talk about being in the playoffs, but they haven't got over the hump. This team, you know, imploded last year and has shown a lack of discipline. You know, you talk about Vontez Berflick not being available because of the hit last year on Antonio Brown, which lost them the game. So I think if you're the Jets, you want to try and be a bit of an agitator. You want to be, you know, harping on them. You want to be in Pac-Man's ear. You want to be nudging them a little bit to see if they can keep their cool. And if you can do that and get underneath their skin, that's a vanished Jets. But the trademark of a Todd Bowles football team is all about discipline. Yeah. Have you been impressed the way Bowles has come in here? A guy who was successful in the National Football League as a player. He mm -hmm. won a championship with the Washington Redskins. Tremendous mentors when you're thinking about guys like Joe Gibbs and Bill Parcells and mm -hmm. Bruce Arians. How impressed have you been by Bulls? And, and would you have liked to play for a guy like that? Well, absolutely. You talk about, you know, a lot of times we always speak about, you know, teams are a reflection of their coach. And you always look at Todd Bowles, no matter what the situation is on the field, he always seems calm cool and collect. And I know I said it out of order, so I'm not going to let you, I'm a self-correct because I'm not going to let you get on me like I said when you said A.J. Dalton, you know, but, you know, you talk about the team, they showed tremendous poise and discipline. I think last year, sometimes, you know, they, they, they lost it, but he was always able to reel them back in and teach them to have their composure. And what you, what you like to say is that a Todd Bowles team don't, doesn't beat themselves. You know, they're not going to have a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And, um, you know, that's a mark of a disciplined, mature team. You know, that's why I said if you can get underneath the skin of, of the Bengals who've shown that they're very emotional and they can be kind of, you know, knocked out their rocker, so to speak, I think you want to get underneath their skin. You want to be a bit of an agitator. I don't know who's going to be that guy. But, you know, early in the game, you, you want to just kind of poke the bear a little bit and see if you can get them to react. <laughs> What's your favorite opening day memory as a player? Do you have one? Well, you know what? I, I would, you know, going all the way back, I think to – 06, only because I think I had two sacks in the game and a fumble recovery, and it kind of set me on the path to, um, you know, to, to my first uh, Pro Bowl and uh, to my, uh, you know, All-Pro year. And, I, and it was the, uh, I think, 2006 we opened up with Tampa, and I remember all week being concerned, you know, that I was going to be fatigued because you, you, you worry about the heat. And the thing about what fans don't realize, you know, as the, the roster gets – you know, whittled down and, and, and get smaller and you get more back to the 53, like practice dramatically changes because where you used to have somebody that you go in there, you had a threes going there, you're not getting that many reps. You know, and then, then everybody's cut, the final roster is here, and now you're taking reps for the first time. So you're extremely exhausted because it's the first time that your legs are really getting this amount of reps. So it's, you know, you're doing special teams or you're not doing special teams or the other, your backup's doing a special team. So now you're getting more to, you know, you're getting all the snaps in practice now. You know, that's a great point that I didn't even think about yesterday because the, the Jets opened their practice week for the Bengals on Monday, mm -hmm. a typical Monday. But we just went through all spring OTAs, mini camps, and training camp. 
And it's so striking when I'm standing there with the media and I look out. People everywhere. It, 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 well, now the field is empty. <laughs> right. It's like, where is everybody? So, so conditioning is big in week one. Conditioning is huge. And what happens is you don't really get in football, football, regular season shape until about week three. That's why you're going to see guys come in after week one on Monday. They're going to be running wind sprints, right? So you pray to God that the first game isn't extremely hot. You hope that you don't get caught in a lot of two-minute situations. And you hope that the offense holds on to the ball, have long drives, and time of, when the time of possession um, you know, uh, clock. Because what happens is not only that, you see it happen in college this week. Right, you saw a lot of guys in the third and fourth quarter. You saw guys cramping up, right. so because now you're going at a speed that you really haven't went at, and now you're going to be responsible for playing 70, 80 snaps. When in the preseason you were probably playing the most snaps, the number one defense probably got is probably I, I would be I would take a shot in the dark and say it's probably 35, 40 reps. All right, so you were one of at the night when it's cool, no sun out. No doubt, it's going to be one o'clock Sunday afternoon, <laughs> September 11th. You were one of the most cerebral players in the game when you played. What are the challenges in preparing for a team who you don't see often week one? Because most of the time, you guys are looking at tape from the past mm -hmm. three or four games. Now you're looking at a little preseason mm -hmm. film or last year. How does that work? Well, see, but the good thing is, you know, this Bengals team have been together for a long time. So they're going to do what they do. So you can watch film from last year, the year before. You know, it's a little bit more difficult for the Bengals because you know, the, the Jets are still um, developing their identity. It's not a lot of film. It's some, but it's not a lot of film on, on the Todd Bowles era. You know, so now you have to kind of go back and kind of see what Todd did in other places, defensively what he did in Arizona, and you want to try and put it together that way. And, and when you get out, you know, the first game is all about adjustments because you may think a team is going to come out one way, but what happens is, you know, preseason is used – to put a lot of misinformation on film mm. for your opposing opponent. Everything that you do in the preseason is done to, to trick your first opponent. So then when you step out on the field, they have no clue what's going on, and you want to try and force them to have to prepare for things that they haven't seen. So now all the tricks that they've had, they're going to use all those tricks this year, this week, and Ty's going to you know empty the tank, so to speak, and he's going to come out, and you're going to say, okay, wow, this is how they are. And then now what happens is for the first three weeks, you're never going to know what a team is going to bring to the table. And some teams are, are very opponent-specific. You know, so this first game is always the most interesting chess match of the, of the season because all the things you see on, 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 on film, he did this. So every time he lines up here, he does this. Guess what that slot receiver is going to do? He's been doing this every time in the, in the, in the preseason. He's going to do something totally different. So, so the Jets are going to be successful defensively if they do what against the Cincinnati team who has A.J. Green but does not have Tyler Eifert, and they're going to be relying on, I would imagine, trying to get the ball to Giovanni Bernard and also Jeremy Hill out of the backfield. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of people remember Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill was the running back that fumbled the ball that, that gave the Pittsburgh Steelers the opportunity to win the game. He's, he's taken full accountability. He's, he, he's, he's put it on him. He's been practicing playing like a man possessed. You know, that's the good news. The bad news is without Tyler Eifert, without Mohamed Sanu, without Marvin Jones, then now the Jets are, are in, a, in, a, in a position to really make them one-dimensional. If they can take A.J. Green away, the Bengals are going to come in. They're going to try and establish the run. 
right? And they're going to they're going to have run attempts just to have run attempts. One because they want to keep the clock moving. They want to try and get the the offense in in favorable, you know, manageable down and distances. So they want to try and get, you know, uh, they want to try and get positive yardage. But with that being said, the Jets know that their bread and butter is trying to go deep to AJ Green. If they can't hit a big play to AJ Green or get explosive plays from AJ, I see this matchup being a, a drug out brawl, right? Because both teams, like like great fighters, me and you are both boxing fans, are going to come out and they're going to fill each other out for the first couple of rounds. Nobody wants to make a mistake early. Um, but the biggest contributor to the outcome of this game, yeah, special teams. And the Jets special teams have been fantastic throughout the preseason. I think Under the Bra- new regime, right? I think Brant Boyer has really set a tone here, Bart. You're going to love this. You set – that's how you established yourself in the National Absolutely. Football League. You came in. You weren't starting next to Ray Lewis right away. Nope. Undrafted free agent. That's how you made your name. You love Boyer. He always talks about these guys going yeah, either 100 miles per yeah. hour or 500 miles per yeah. hour, and we know you like to drive cars fast. Yeah, I tell you what, we, we played we played against each other. Um, I had an opportunity to meet him at the uh, the Jets, one of our um, events in the city. But special teams is going to play such a big role. You saw it again in preseason with, with, with um, the college team, and you know why. The reason why they play such a prevalent role in the, in the first couple of weeks is because on offense – how many new starters do the Jets have? Not a ton. You yeah. kind you, you kind of knew who was going to be the starters, Matt right? Four, Matt Forte right. is going to be here, right? You knew who was going to be the starters. On and defense. a right tackle is the one spot where uh, along that offensive line, actually, Jets are breaking in new new tackles. I consider but, but like Clady an yeah, experienced yeah, bat, right? Yeah, but, but but that that new tackle knew that yeah. he was going to be the starter. We kind of knew who was going yeah. to be on 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 offense. Right. We know who was going to be on defense. Special teams are the people that make the roster late in the season, preseason. So a lot of these guys are going to be playing next to each other for the first time because in the preseason you're mixing and matching, right? You're putting guys in position, you play this. But now everybody's cut, and this team doesn't have any chemistry. You have to sit down and you have to talk about how we're going to play certain looks because you're going to see something in that you didn't see in preseason, the regular season, that you didn't see. And you're going to have to think it out with your partner. You guys have to be on the same page because it's not a lot of uh, verbal communication. It's a lot of nonverbal communication in special teams. Seeing a guy, seeing his mannerisms, okay, he's going to do this. Okay, I think he's going to do that because you have those, those reps. See, but the special teams don't really get a lot of reps with the person that's going to be to the right of you or the left of you on, say, punt return. Or punt. Right. Right. Punt was one of the biggest things. You see a lot of miscommunication with punt blocks early in the season. You see a lot of field goal blocks early in the season because you don't really play with that person. You haven't practiced with that person over and over again. So you have to develop that level of chemistry. So special team coaches understand that. So you're going to see a lot of twists. You're going to see a lot of games. You're going to see a lot of overloads to force young guys and that's in certain emotions. Jets instances. are breaking in a new rookie punter. Seventh round pick, Lachlan Edwards, had a tremendous yep. preseason. The guy different. can really boom the ball. Different tempo. Different, uh, different tempo. tempo. And Jalen Marshall, an impressive rookie from Ohio State, one of the Jets' three rookie receivers. He is the return man. Right, right. Do we, you know, which which team has that guy to make the pivotal mistake? Right. Who missed their block? Who has a block in the back, you know, on a huge return? Who muffs a punt? Who has a blunt a punt blocked? Those are all the things that you see in the first week of the uh, of the NFL season. I guarantee you, this week it'll be at least two punts blocked somewhere in this in the league.
Okay. You just hope that it's not you. The Bengals, how are they going to try to defend Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker? Nobody could stop those guys last year. In terms of receptions, they led the National Football League in terms of duos, of course, and also total touchdowns. Mm -hmm. How do they go about trying to stop those guys? Well, I'll tell you what. The Bengals have been an a, a elite defense for the last five years. They've been playing well. It all started with Zimmer, who's now the head coach of the Minnesota uh, Vikings. But they've been doing it well for a long time. This isn't like some uh, overnight sensation. This team has been in the playoffs and been winning a very tough division off and on for about the last five years. Um, Jim, uh, Geno Atkins, interior. You talk about 11 sacks last year. 11 sacks, you know, from, from the deep tackle. And he's still getting his legs under him after the ACL surgery. He, he can create a lot of pressure in the interior in an instant. Huge matchup. Now, we were just talking about it before. You said they move Geno Atkins around. But if he is at left defensive tackle, Brian Winters will see him at times. Well, they, 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 put, him, they put him in matchups, much like you know, Houston does with J.J. Watt and how we do with Muhammad Wilkerson. Yep. You know, but he's, he's the complete package. He's dominant in the run. He's not just an overpowering, bull rush type of guy. He has a lot of agility. And, and when we were watching the film, you saw that he can you know, arm over. He has a little shake. We, we call it a little wiggle. He has a little wiggle inside, too. But that sets the stage for, like, Johnson on the outside who kind of comes in. They get it done a little differently. Yeah. You know, you talk about a four-man front. You know, they're, they're beating double teams, and they're, they're winning their one-on-one -on -one matchups. That allows them to play pass coverage behind. You talk about Carlos Dansby, who was an addition. You know, you talk about 19 interceptions, 40 sacks, Johnny on the spot. He's a guy that's very savvy, and if Fitz is off point or off his mark just a little bit, he can make you pay because he, he not only turns the ball over and the ball just finds him, Johnny on the spot, but he takes it to the house. And you think Dansby a lot of times might be matched up in man coverage with Matt Forte, one of the most accomplished <laughs> receiving running backs in the history of the game. Well, strength on strength. When we talk about, you know, most of the, most of the time, Chan Gailey's going to look at the opposing team's linebacker and he's going to say advantage us. But I don't know. You talk about two wily old vets. You know, they know all the tricks of the, of the trade. Grumpy old man, you know, 230-somethings. Grumpy you know, old man. Yeah, you know, 230-somethings. And, you know, this is going to be a tremendous I think Forte's a pleasant guy. You were just fooling around with him before. Yeah, and, and, you don't and, like him? No, and, 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 and Dansby as well. But, you know, you talk about... You know, when you get over 30, you know, that's considered ancient in the NFL. You know, Dansby at linebacker, you know, 34, and, and Forte at running back at 30. You know, you talk about the guys that have played and have seen a lot of football. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see which one, you know, has the advantage. You know, both of them are very, very capable and two of the best at their position. Carlos Dansby were brought in specifically to help defend against the tight ends in the, in the run because of his length. You talk about a guy that's 6'4" you know, a very, very tall middle linebacker. But, you know, you talk about as well, you know, his, his, his sacks and his interceptions. But Matt Forte, one of the most accomplished pass-receiving running backs, you know, dual threats in the game since he's, since he's came from Tulane. Okay, so let's get back to it. Marshall and Decker, are they going to – if Pac-Man's ready to go, will they put Pac-Man – on Marshall? Well, they, they, they mix it up back there. Well, well, well you, you have to mix it up, you know, but you can mix it up when you're only rushing four. Yeah. When you're rushing four, they give you another person in pass coverage. So they try to beat you up front, right? and then they have, they'll they, play numbers in the back. Yep, they're going to play numbers in the back. They're going to try to be physical on the line to try and throw off the timing with safety help over the top. I think they, they, you know, they go safety help over the top, 
and you got to think, okay, who's the Jets' third receiver? And that's where the one-on-one is going to come. I don't know if Darquez Denard is going to be back, you know, but you talk about, you know, the Bengals spent heavily in, you know, in, in the draft and in free agency and bringing in a lot of quality, you know, a um, lot of quality cornerbacks. You yeah. Know, they, go, they go four or five deep. You know, at the cornerback position, you talk about. Looks like Drew Drake or Kirkpatrick will be one of the starters. Yep, Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, 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 Sign Pack, man. Right. But then you talk about Dark, uh, Darquez Denard, you know, who was a first round draft pick, I believe, from the, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, State right. a, a couple years ago. You know, so they, they're, they're fully loaded there to, to, to really handle a spread offense, which the Jets is going to you know, present. What does Fitz have to do this game? Specifically. Well, one, well, once again, he's going to have to hit a, hit a couple of deep balls to get them to, 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 to lighten the box. You have to get their respect early because, you know, a lot of teams are believing that, you know, Fitz is a quick decision maker. He gets the ball out of his hands. That allows them to sit on routes. And when you have safety help over the top, you can take some of those chances because if you, if you gamble and you miss, you're, you're backed up. That's why they call it a safety. Has the league changed a lot? Since even since you've been out of just for a few years, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. meaning look at this matchup this week. The Bengals had three rookie receivers. The Jets had three rookie receivers, and you're talking about maybe the Jets taking a shot or two. You could a guy like Robbie Anderson, mm-hmm. a Temple product who was an undrafted free agent, led the National Football League in preseason, uh, receiving yards in the preseason, mm-hmm. could he be a factor coming in maybe in a four-receiver set? Not a factor where mm-hmm. he's going to catch seven yeah. balls, but well, the I'll guy to take the top off. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, man. It's always whenever you have a matchup between good teams, it's always the unsung heroes. And I think Anderson sets himself up to be an unsung hero because he's not going to be paid attention too much on their scouting report. They're going to say he runs one route vertical, but you still have to stop it. You know, and, and it's one thing to see something on film. It's one thing to see it in, in person. And sometimes you can underestimate your opponent, underestimate the person that you're going against, and he surprised you. You know, and I think with, you know, Marshall and Decker on the outside and Matt Forte maybe an in, empty set, who's the guy that's going to get the one-on-one? A guy right. like Anderson. And the Jets side. love Anunwa's versatility, too, because they call him a hybrid. Say, hey, if a yeah, linebacker's going to ma- match up with him, He's gonna outrun you. You put a DB on on you. Yeah, I'll run right at you. Well, well, that's what well, that's what you're doing. I, you know, we we we've seen this with Chan before in Buffalo. I believe the the receiver was um, Nelson. You know, he was a six five guy, kind of a tweener. He was a guy that sealed the backside. You know, and he was a guy that was willing to fight. And it's not always about getting a devastating block. It's about the willingness to block. And sometimes you just got to be a speed bump. But also, every once in a while, Noonwai will go out and run out a route, and it surprises a lot of people because they think that he's just going to sit in and block. But he essentially is playing the tight end position, just a hybrid version of a tight end. How do you break down the AFC East right now as we, uh, we're about to enter another season? It's a division the Patriots have controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jets were right there, nipping at their heels last year. Uh, unfortunately, uh, three and three in the division. When you look back at the Jets' season, they were ten and three outside the AFC East. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, the first goal—the first goal—is always to win your division. And you talk about seven and three outside the AFC East. I'm sorry. Well, you talk about <laughs> you talk about being able to to, to try and, and win your division is always the first goal. Um, the uh, Patriots have been at the top of the heat for a long, long time, and it, you know, with some of their additions, it's going to be tough. You know, so all you can really control, you can't control who they beat um, until they play you. If you want them to get some, 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 some losses in the, um, some, some losses, yeah. right? The you Jets don't play them. They don't play them when uh, Tom Brady's suspended. You know, 
you, you'll get a smile out of this. The players were asked about this in the locker room. They said, well, we expect New England to be a good team. We're not really worried about them right now. Right. They don't even yeah. play them in the first four yeah. games. Well, well, they're a complete team, and they always find a way. You talk about the addition of uh, Martellus Bennett. Yeah. That gives them another dual threat. You talk about, you know, Hogan, who's, you know, got the, the, the funny name on Hard Knocks at 7-11 because he's always open. That just gives them another weapon, and players seem to become a lot better when they're playing with Tom Brady. So, and you never know. You know, you talk about last year, you talk about losing to the Buffalo Bills twice. I'm sure that left a, a sour taste in everybody in this building's mouth, you know, because everybody always wants to beat your former coach. Um, and, you know, they kept him out of the playoffs, so it should be some payback, you know, you know, some guys should really want some payback when they see the Buffalo Bills, and they'll get to exercise those demons pretty early. All right, before we uh, jump to another subject real quick, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, do you think it sets up nicely for the Jets at the linebacker position on the inside because David Harris is still playing at a high level, but they have a veteran in Aaron Henderson who can contribute, they can depend on. David loved playing next to him last year. You know that is a guy who played that you guys really love players who understand the game, savvy, instinctive, study. And you can see that respect there. That means Darren Lee's going to play a lot still, and we'll have to see. Todd Bowles said, depending on a week, Darren Lee could play more than Aaron Henderson. But do you think this is a perfect setup for Darren Lee? Well, I think it is because he gets the opportunity not to have all the pressure on him where he has to take all 80, all 80 snaps. This allows him to start off in a package. And, and, and really, you know, focus on the specific task, whatever Ty Bowles says, this is going to be his role. It allows EJ to come in on first and second down, so to, so to speak. Aaron Henderson. Yeah, right? I'm sorry, Aaron, Aaron Henderson. I'm used to yeah, his brother. You're, you're thinking brother. about his brother. I'm they played together in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm thinking about his brother. <laughs> but um, you, that allows him to kind of come in and, and, and really for them to bring him along slowly. You know, we always talk about quarterbacks, you know, maybe shouldn't start. But sometimes, you know, everybody has to adjust to the game. And I think this allows him a way to really learn how to become a professional without putting too much on his plate early on because, this, you know, this Jets team is, is expecting to do big things. And you don't want to be somebody that comes in and can't really hold up your end of the bargain. This allows him to really mature into the position and really watch a true professional in front of him. It's going to be fascinating what happens to the outside linebacker, too, because the Jets expect a big leap from Lorenzo Malden. And then we'll have to see who starts on Sunday against the Bengals. Could be a, a rookie. Third-round pick, Jordan Jenkins out of Georgia, or maybe a guy, a veteran like Mike Cotapano. We'll have to see how that rotation works out. You mentioned the fight game before. We both love boxing. You're in good shape still. You're training. Uh, this weekend, Kel Brook has gone up in weight <laughs> yeah, that's tough, to fight Triple G, who I think is this era's Mike Tyson, who's a non-heavyweight. Or, or Roberto Duran. Oh, Roberto, the hands of stone, huh? Yeah, yeah you can go with little Roberto uh, okay. Duran. Okay, so what do you feel about this fight happening over, at Eng over in England? Well, Triple G understands that, you know, Brock has a, a, a bigger following right now. You know, because uh, Triple G is kind of a nomad. You know what I mean? He really does. You know, he's, he's made New York kind of his base. That's where he really made his name at. But he really doesn't. He's starting to draw a lot of people. Right. But he really doesn't have that fan base that Brock has. He, I mean, he has he's been own, begging for Kel Brook. Yeah, he's been, he beg he's, he's been begging he's for a out. fight. He's yeah. been begging everybody to fight him, Triple G, and nobody wants him. I but, mean, I love Andre well, Ward as a fighter, but, Yeah, know. Triple G doesn't, doesn't duck anybody. I yeah. think he's setting himself up for for a mega fight, but he has to get past a great opponent. That's moving up in weight. The, the, the question is, can Brock take his punches? You know, that's the thing. We, we know he has the hand speed. We know he has the skill. 
and we know he has determination. You talk about he, you know, he's a champion. You know, he he he's been doing his thing for for a while. But Triple G is a different monster. I watch him break down fighter after fighter, and I mean, if he has to jab you, he has a stiff stiff jab. But also he has to follow up. He can hurt you to the body, and he always comes in tremendous shape. You know, and I think he understands not to be looking past Brock, but he understands that there's greater things, you know, after this fight if he can pull it off. Because the, the, the fight with Canelo Alvarez, talk about two guys fighting in their prime. We both talked about Thurman and Porter. It didn't disappoint, you know. And, you know, I think that a fight between Canelo and, and Triple G won't, won't disappoint either. Talk about two fighters in their prime. But, but know, does Canelo want any of that? Canelo, Canelo said that he will fight at, at 160, and he said some very brash things in Mexican that we don't duck anybody. <laughs> We're not afraid of anybody. No, I got respect you for know, him. So, I just, so we'll see because I think Triple G is calling him out. He's kind of putting a lot of pressure on him for him to say that he's this big, bad, you know, you know what, right. to be able to, to say, okay, if you are that, then you'll fight I give Cal Brook a tremendous amount of credit here, Bart, because he's been chasing Amir Khan, his fellow countrymen, over there. Amir Khan's done it, Amir, He wanted to fight Amir Khan for so long, he could never get that shot. It was, it, it was, it, well, you know how it is in a, in a fighting game. You know, it, for, for Khan to fight him, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't help his brand. If he beat him, they'd be like, ah, because a lot of people really don't know about Kyle Brock. We're starting to know a lot more. He's starting to beat He's a good so, fighter. I just right. wonder if he's, he's well, bit more than he can show. Well, well, listen, you know, the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? So, yeah. like, you know, even if he comes out and he loses, like we expect him to lose, I mean, look, look at what, what he gains by putting on a great show. Well, uh, speaking of great shows, I got to ask you about uh, Conor McGregor. How much have you got into UFC? I mean, I, I, I watched the fight. I, what, you know. what do you think about him as a, an entertainer, a, a, as a guy of big brand in sports nowadays? Mm. I mean, I mean, I think he's he's taking a page out of the Money Mayweather, not Floyd Mayweather, not Pretty Boy Floyd, but he's taking a page out of Money Mayweather. Um, really want to come in and disrespect his opponent and try and win and, and, and be loud and brash and do it that way. You know, I think, you know, you know, he redeemed himself. He came back and, you know, he had a tremendous fight plan. I forget the um, – he's one of my favorite fighters in UFC, but I forget who uh, he's Nate fighting. Diaz? Yeah, Nate Diaz. Yeah, right. But Nate, he, he pretty much landed those punches with Nate Diaz last – last the first fight. You know, but what I'm concerned with is his – his I don't know because he talks so much. He, he, he runs out of gas pretty fast, and I, I see him fighting maybe some of these other fighters. Yeah, but you spar a bunch. That's tough to be standing and just exchanging. For yeah, 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 but what, what I'm saying is even Nate Diaz seemed like he had more in the tank, even right. though he landed all those punches. He was winning after the first round and had to take a couple rounds off in the third round. He, he, you know, he took a, a pretty good beating. So when he fights some of these other elite fighters within the, the fight game, I don't see – I can see – you know, him struggling if, if they can, you know, withstand the early onslaught from him early. You know, he shoots, you know, he, he burns himself out pretty early. But he's entertaining. He's very, he's very entertaining. He's great. He's smart, too. Yeah, he, he's great. He's great for print. He's, he's great for, for, for interviews. You know, he's dynamic in that regard. He's a wordsmith, you know. But in the UFC, in the fight game, you know, you can be a great fighter and have six or seven losses. Yeah. You know, you know it's a little different, you know, so it's hard, you know, we're we're trained to look at that O. If that O isn't there, we we kind of look at it differently. I think you know the the fight fans are starting to 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 really adjust to the UFC. Okay, say listen, he's he's a dynamic fight. He's the best in the game. But anybody can be beat on any any given fight night right. in UFC. Um, 
But, you know, he beat, he beat Diaz. We'll see if he continues to move up in weight because as you get older, it's going to be harder to hold that weight. You think he's going to become like a rocker or, or uh, a guy like that who I can see him goes, in, goes on the big screen? You know, I, I can see him in Expendables Part 12 or something like that or, you know, something like that. I can see him one of those. He's one of those personalities. It, I mean, if he's smart, he'll build his brand that way because what happens is you have to be able to sell something after the body breaks down. You talked about college football before. Is it Alabama and everybody else? I don't think so. No, you don't. I don't think so. I think I think late in the game, I think Michigan's going to be around. You do. I, I think Ohio State's always going to be there. Urban Meyer always finds right. a way to 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 be um, to be productive. So let it play out. Yeah, you got. Don't make don't make too many conclusions no, based no. on based on week one. No, I mean it was USC, man. Like, come on. Like, you know, <laughs> I think they they were there based on more on. Um, on tradition and in pre-ranked roles and things like that, you never know who's going to you know come up. The cream will rise up to the top by week ten. Uh, yep, and, and the same thing can be said in the National Football League. Any of these week one games, really, you're going to be watching them all with the crew there mm-hmm. in New York City Sunday afternoon. Us and the Bengals, the New York Jets and Cincinnati Bengals, I think is one what, one of the what one of the better games well, that's, well, out well, there. Well, and, that's a that's a must see. Um, I'm really interested to see how Dak Prescott performs uh, against the Giants. You know, I think he was dynamic, and I think everybody wanted to discredit what he was able to do in the preseason, saying it was just a preseason. But I can remember people saying the same thing about a guy named Russell Wilson. You know, so this could be an instance where Tony Romo doesn't get his job back. That you know, because he can't stay healthy. And I think that adds, adds that new breed athlete, the guy that's able to beat you with your legs. If you, if you dare play cover one and everybody turns their back, just take off and hurt you with his feet. That And he's protected behind the best line in, in, in the business. So protected by the best line in the business, meaning that he's going to have time to process. You talk about rookies sometimes not being able to go through the process. Well, he's going to be given an extra second just because of the offensive And he's got a talented young running back he's working with, Ezekiel Elliott, who, t- like you said, He's playing behind that offensive line, so he could come out and break I, out. I forget the other running back uh, from Washington, but I think that was one of the sneakiest uh, pickups of the offseason. You know, I, I forget his name. He's went to the Pro Bowl like twice. Young, young, young running back for the Skins. No, no, he yeah, from, he came from he came over from the Skins. I forget his name, but he, he, he's with the Cowboys now. Yeah, he's with the Cowboys. I'm telling you what, man, he runs hard. He's a North and South runner. He's been doing it well for about four years. And then uh, Jets fans are going to pay attention to New England at Arizona. Jimmy Garoppolo gets his start. Uh, Arizona's going to be that's going to be a tough place to play. Arizona's going to be right there at the end. Yeah. You know, you talk about last year going on a run. I think um, Carson Palmer's only lost maybe seven games as a Cardinal quarterback. You know, you talk about the year before they were nine and one before he blew his knee out. Then last year, you know, they had a tremendous record. You know, one division. You know, they're they're top to bottom. They have Super Bowl aspirations, Super Bowl or bust there. So it's going to be tough for New England to get off. You know, on the start. Well, and this is one thing I can promise you as we conclude today's podcast is that Bart Scott, uh, Todd Bowles, uh, Bart Scott is okay. not going to talk about the Super Bowl at all. The Jets are going to be focused on the Cincinnati Bengals in Week One. One game one. at a time. One game at a time. That's right. One, one play at a time. One show at a time. One Bart, second at a time. Bart Scott in the house. Thanks so much, buddy. We're looking forward to the season. Are oh, we just getting started?